we're going to continue worship this morning, and um, I hope you brought a Bible with you, and if you did not bring a Bible with you, um, I think my clicker might be, let's see, oh, here we go. Hey, for clickers. Okay, we're in the third week of our series called Rise. I'm going to ask you if you brought a Bible to turn to um, the book of Romans, uh, chapter 8, verse 11. If you did not bring a Bible, grab one of ours. It is on page 787 of the Bibles we provide for you. Um, We're going to read this verse together. Romans 8, chapter 11. This is the third week in the series called Rise. And we're celebrating all that Christ is and did in Easter. And so we're going to start today from the book of Romans. This is what the word says. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. We always pray when we enter into God's word that we would have right understanding. God inspired men to write it down. He inspires us to understand it. There's no excuse. No excuse not to understand what the Bible says. It's plain, and the Spirit makes it plain. Pray with me that the Spirit would make it plain to us today. Father, we come into your house to worship you and praise you, to sing of your holiness and of your great coming, and your surrounding us with heaven's eternity. Right now, your, sp- your presence with us, the Holy Spirit with us, We thank you so much for Jesus who died on the cross and was raised on Easter so we could have the Holy Spirit with us now. We thank you for his, you know, praying for us at your right hand right now that we can know him and celebrate him and and glorify him in our lives. And Father, that's all your work. And we, We don't do any of this of ourselves. We know we're broken, sinful men. And that's not just a throwaway line. Like, we are so screwed up. And yet you rescue us and you save us. You deliver us and you celebrate and invite us to celebrate all that you do in our lives. Today, as we enter into your word, we pray that you would give us your wisdom, that you would give us your Holy Spirit's presence to know rightly and understand what your word says, and then to live it every day. Not here on Sunday, not church when it's special, not when we're our church friends, but that your spirit would dwell in us every day, that we would recognize him in our lives and glorify you because of our obedience to him. May you be glorified with the proclamation of your word, with the meditation of all of our hearts and minds, and the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray this would happen today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So we're we're in this three weeks, and I want to walk real quickly through, because, you know, see, Easter happens once a year, and there's the old joke about Christmas and Easter worshipers, and I get that. But, you know, Easter is such a magnificent event. It's such a huge event. And I want to remind you of the three kind of looks we have at Easter this year, and we've looked at it before the cross, right? When Jesus was looking toward Jerusalem, and and he fixed his eyes, the word says, upon Jerusalem. He made a decision to go to the cross to forgive the sins of all men. That was Jesus's right decision, his obedience to the Holy Spirit of God in his life, and he did that work. Easter, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and we talked to you last week about the reality that gravestones will roll in God's name, that the reality is that this life is not all there is, and that God will command us to come forth. One of my favorite verses in the scripture comes in the gospel of John, where Jesus' friend Lazarus is dead and in a tomb. This is before Jesus himself gives his life, right? And he says this, Lazarus, come out. That's Jesus' call to Lazarus. 
a, a manifestation of the reality of God's presence, that he would call the dead to life, that Jesus has the power to call the dead to life. And sometimes in our own life, we think that's for other people. Well, that's for the saints. That's for Jesus. That's for the neighbor next door who does all the right stuff. But it's not for me, but that's a lie. I love that he calls the dead to life. And then he says, you know, unbind them from the grave clothes and let them be free. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's, it's beyond the grave, beyond the resurrection of Jesus, which is awesome in and of itself. He calls you and I to new life in Christ. It's the great commission. It's the great experience. It's the proclamation of God the Father over his children. It's not just that, you know, in Jesus you can continue to hope like the Israelites hoped for millennium, that somehow a Messiah would come, that you and I wouldn't have to set and hope that somehow Jesus is going to work, but that the reality is, and Jesus promises that he will have his spirit live in us when we believe in him. And indeed... If we walk in the Spirit, if we, if we are obedient to the Spirit, we will indeed rise in our own lives. We're going to talk about that very practically today, what that looks like. But I'm, I'm telling you today, and I don't know what it looks like for you, but in Christ, life is more. It's more than just like a, a punch in your ticket to get to heaven. It, it's more than just a, an obedient prayer in the morning or, or I have to read the Bible, so I will. It's this holistic compulsion toward the things of God that comes from the inside out. Which is really the danger of religion because religion can teach you all the trappings of faith, but it can't give you faith. Only God can give you faith. You can pretend and fake it, but it's not good enough for the Holy Spirit of God because he knows who is his. And he works inside out in our lives. It's a huge deal. And we'll talk about wh why that matters and why we should be paying attention to what God is doing in our lives. So today we're going to talk about this new life in Christ. From this one verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Read it with me. I love this. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. That's the way that verse starts. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. I want you to notice it starts with a, this kind of proposition, if. And I want to say one thing about if. It means it's totally possible. You, you might read that if and say, well, that means some people don't have a spirit living in them. And you're going to go, oh, woe is me. I want you to see the opposite side of that coin today and say, maybe it's God's spirit living in me, calling me to higher and holier and better things in my life. Maybe it's God's spirit in me that's going to cause me to have victory over sin in my life. Maybe it's God's spirit in me that's going to lead me into the everlasting dwelling of my father to be received as his son. You see what I'm saying? Maybe the if is on the other side. We might read that if, if you're like me, if, oh boy, not everybody gets it. No, if you have the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead living in you, it's certainly possible. As a matter of fact, Paul's going to make the argument that not only is it possible, it's necessary. It's necessary for your salvation Look at it again. And if, boy, what a way to start a sentence. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. I, I think it's striking as well here that the if isn't just that it's possible, 
But there is no more miraculous experience. We have nothing in recorded history. As a matter of fact, people who don't believe in Christ refute the resurrection of Jesus. That's the first thing. You know, he died. He was a good guy. Because we can see people who are good guys and die all the time. But what people can't get past is that Jesus came back to life. Like he was reanimated. He was alive after being dead. And he walked. And not only that, but if you read the Gospels, he sat down and ate fish with people. And he touched people. And he asked people to touch him. And he was seen by by hundreds of people. It wasn't like he was keeping it a secret. He would show up in the closed rooms and bless his people. And I told you last week, it freaked people out. It freaked people out. Because this isn't a God we control anymore. This isn't my buddy Joe. This isn't like even me. And Paul says here, if the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you, is dwelling in me. That should just rock our world. That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave is dwelling in us, is living in us. By the way, this isn't me picking one verse out of Scripture and it's teaching out of context like all crazy. Read your Bible. Over and over again, the Spirit of God is indwelling. Walk around in the Spirit. We've talked about that before. The reality of the presence of God in our life as believers in Christ, He is manifesting um, Himself in our life for our good. If the Spirit of God. Let me back up a few verses. I just want to hit a few more here, if you will, okay? Just two to verse nine. You, Paul says, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit. You are controlled not by sin, but by the Spirit. That's what Paul says. If I see that in the Bible, I want to know, does that mean me? Or does that mean somebody else? Who's the you? I'm going to turn back. You can if you want to, just to check my math here. But you don't have to. To Romans 1. When Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome, this is the way he starts it out. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, as, uh, as to his human nature, was a descendant of David. But listen, as to the spirit of holiness was declared, was declared with the power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead. You see, this whole you know, text is rooted in Christ's resurrection. Um... Okay, Jesus Christ, our Lord, through him and for his namesake, we receive grace and apostleship to be called people from among all, to call people from among all the Gentiles and obedience that comes from faith. And you also, listen to this, you also were among those who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. So that's one thing we'll see about the people, the you who are being controlled by the Spirit are first of all called to belong to Jesus Christ. That's the first thing, that you're owned by someone else. Second thing, here's a letter to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Now, I got news for you. I don't know if you know this shit or not. If you failed geography in high school, we're not in Rome. And so you might read that literally and go, okay, so it doesn't apply to me because I'm not in Rome. I'm in Highland, Illinois. It doesn't count for me, right? To all who are loved by God and called to be saints. The letter is written. All of a sudden, the you, if you know Christ as Savior, listen, if you're called to belong to Jesus... 
If you're loved by God, and if you're called to be holy, you are controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, you might go, wait a minute. I don't know if I belong to Jesus. I don't know if I'm loved by God, or, or I certainly don't know if I'm called to be holy and, and, and uh, blameless. Saints. I don't know if you heard that today was a big day because, you know, the Roman Catholic Church made two new saints. And, and, and the whole world watched. I couldn't believe it. If you watched, like, the news coverage, they're like, it was such an awesome moment. These people became saints. And I'm, like, looking at it as a believer in Jesus going, it's awesome every time it happens for you and for me. Beatification, sainthood. Paul writes this letter to all who are loved by God and called to be saints. Man, we look at that and we say, that's for some other dude. Like, it's not for me. I'm not good enough. I want to walk through. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. But the Spirit of God living in you, and listen, our obedience to the Spirit of God living in us causes us to be pleasing to the Father. That's what it takes. You want to know how to be holy? Obey the Spirit in your life. You want to be holy? Listen to your father. The devil loves to deceive us on that. You're not, you're not, nope, that's not for you. It's a lie. You, however, are controlled, Paul says, controlled now, mind you, not by the sinful nature, but by the spirit. If the spirit, here's a preposition, if the spirit of God lives in you, that's that indwelling spirit. If he lives, you're controlled by the spirit of God in your life. The reality is, if those who are loved by God and called to belong to Jesus, they are controlled by the Spirit of God, and there's no problem with this at all. As a matter of fact, it's necessary. And if anyone, now listen here, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, now interestingly, he says Christ here, right? That's the anointing. He does not belong to Christ. That would be the anointed, right? So we have both here, called to belong and um, loved by Saint by Jesus, but that we're, we're anointed and, and called to be anointed in Christ. All right, a couple more here. Um, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. So you just have this whole new indwelling spirit. Now we get to our verse we're talking about. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Now listen. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. It's interesting to me that this verse says it twice. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, then the spirit that raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. I want to talk about the mortal body for a moment. Okay? Easter. Easter is about resurrection. And it's not just about the resurrection of Jesus. It's about the resurrection of all the saints. It's about the first fruit of a hope that we will be restored to God. And so there's a reality that our mortal bodies, the mortal means that we are, um, we're, we're, we're dead. We're going to die. That sounds obvious, right? You're like, well, thanks for bringing me here for the obvious this morning, Bill. I get that, right? But no, I'm serious because I know a lot of us are still in denial about this. We're going to die. It's a, sure, it's a certain thing. We're going to die, right? Our bodies are going to come to an end. They're going to stop. And that's our very physical, real 
mortal bodies. That's one thing that the mortal bodies means here. But there's a second thing that means just as well. Now listen to this. Don't miss this. One is our dead body in the casket and in the ground. That's going to happen. But the other is our mortal bodies means our tendency toward death. Not just that we're going to die someday now. Hear me. Not just that there's a date and a time. If you've ever seen death clock on the internet, like there's a day you're going to die and you've got to deal with that then. But there's a tendency in our sinfulness, in our humanness, to die now, to die a little more each day on the way to the grave. I don't know if you've ever seen a faithful believer in Christ as they age. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm not saying they don't have struggles or hardships or their body doesn't break down, but their spirit soars. It, it continues. And I know there's hard days, but their spirit, it continues in faith. You can, you can almost see, you can almost see the separation happening. Where the spirit of the living God that dwells in us will not succumb to the grave. So the two things is, the one is that we have this very mortal body, but the other is that we have this tendency towards sin and death, that, that we're drawn to the morbid. I mean, you, you know, we all complain because the news, the whole thing, if it, if it bleeds, it leads, right? The whole thing that they just, you know why they do that? Because we are fascinated with it. We just can't get enough of that stuff. Tell me all the bad news. Do you ever have anybody say that? You want the good news or the bad news? Just the bad news. <laughs> That's all we want. We don't want the good news. But you see, Paul's writing a letter about mortal bodies. And he says there's these two tendencies, right? Real death, which is coming for sure, and our tendency toward death, which we struggle with every day. But then he says this. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit dwelling in you will raise your mortal bodies to life, right? I want to read it. And if the spirit who raised Jesus from the, living, uh, from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit. The same spirit will give life. And we've talked first. Lazarus, come out. There'll be a reality, a day, where we'll be called forth from the grave. I believe it's going to happen in an instant, right? I don't think there's this long suffering. We have this experience as humans, but I think it's going to happen in a moment. He's going to call us from the grave as believers in him, as his children who are fully redeemed. But, and that's number one, the mortal body. But the second thing is this. In our tendency toward death, the Spirit of God will call us into life. He will call us away from that tendency. What Paul say? you're not controlled by your sinful desires. You're controlled by the Spirit of God. If his Spirit's living in you, you're controlled by God's Spirit. And that's what he says. The same way, that tendency toward death, the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, directs, uh, redirects our life, repurposes us toward God's end, and not toward sinfulness. The Bible says something I find really interesting. It, it says, you can put your sins to death through the Spirit. That's what I'm going to talk to you about today. When I say rise, that's what I want to talk about with you. It's, 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 it's not just something that happened back then and something that's going to happen over there. It's something that happens right now in our life. 
Like, and I want you to know that power. And I'm telling you, as a fellow journeyer, I begin to experience it more and more. And not perfectly, because I screw up. And if you hang out with me long enough, you'll see me screw up a lot in my life. But man, my favorite thing is as I walk along in life, and you have this too, the Spirit of God is with you, and He's speaking to you, and you can listen to Him and obey Him. And you can be raised from death to life. I don't know what your life looks like today. And man, I don't know if you have that thing that you struggle with. And it could be anything, but something that holds your heart captive. Like if it's a fear, or if it's an anger, or if it's a hurt. You know, I don't know what it is for you. If it's a longing, if it's anything you elevate higher than Christ himself in your life, the God who made you, it's sin. And in those struggles and battles, whatever it is, like no matter your age, you can just say, God, go with me in this. You get in a tough situation at work, you can just say, God, I need your help right now. Help me with this. Give me your wisdom. The Bible says he will always answer that prayer. And I tell you, the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I, I, I sat with you guys, and I love you guys, and I see the reality of my own life, but I, I want you to have that. I hope you have that. I hope that you call on God's Spirit to walk with you, to teach you in your life. There's no other way to overcome sin. But here's what I want to tell you, too. This is really funny. But you take God at his word. Even if you think you can't, man, I can't ever overcome that. I'm forever stuck. We love to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh, right? And we just go, well, poor Paul, he had a thorn. He could never get over it. And we make that an excuse for all of our sin to continue in the spite of our salvation in Christ. Maybe it is. But before you get there, why don't you do this? Why don't you say, God, I hate that sin in my life. I'm tired of being broken like this. I'm tired of my heart feeling that way. I'm tired of that stuff coming out of me. Will you bring me through that? And then just walk with God and watch him work. He will deliver you. He will raise you to new life. And, and I'm telling you this because you don't have to then just go, man, I hope, because you'll know on your way to the grave that your Savior is saving you all the way. The very end of the verse says this. The Spirit dwells in you. Look at it, what it says. Raise your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. The Spirit of God living inside of you. The reality is that the Spirit of God lives in all those who are called to belong to Jesus, loved by God and called to be saints. We heard that already. And this Spirit is the battle that you might sense inside of yourself. I've sat with many of you and talked about this, this experience you have where you say, man, I just, I feel conflicted inside and I don't know what to believe and, and I'm all unsettled about it and there, there's this, I love Jesus, but there's these things I don't, I can't, I can't reconcile and I, I've got good news for you. If, if there was no battle, you'd be lost in your sin. Like if there wasn't that conflict, if you're here today and you're sinning and be like, woo, 
you know what I mean? Like you're at a theme park. This is fun, you know? Check yourself. God's spirit is not pleased to dwell with sin. Not pleased. But if you're here today and you're like all inside out and the battle's going and you like kind of, oh, I hate that. I don't mean, you know, but you hate the sin in your life. You guys do that? Like that's God's spirit in you. And you can just at least celebrate his presence. God, I thank you that you're battling for my soul. I thank you that you won't turn me over to my sin. I thank you that you won't leave me on the side of the road to die, but you are redeeming every part of my body. It should be true for every believer. I, I think it should be true for every believer. All of a sudden, we have the power that overcame the grave in Christ living in us, calling us home, guiding us, and shepherding us toward his plan for our life. Listen to this. Victory comes in our life when the obedience to the Spirit is quickened. The Word says, test every spirit. Don't believe everything. You could get some crazy notion in your head. This is what God wants me to do. He needs me to save the world. That's a lie. He did that already in his son, Jesus. Nobody's saving the world but him. But we can check those spirits, and then if it's of God, obey. Listen to it. We can do that. Victory comes when we quicken obedience to the Holy Spirit. Man, that's my prayer for myself all the time. And failures come when we turn away from the Spirit of God who's living in us and we choose our own wisdom or understanding over his. The Bible says that the wisdom of man is foolishness to God. Foolishness. The power of God is the Spirit and living in us. I, I don't know what, what, what fuels your life right now. And by the way, if I could explain a little bit of all the gun activity earlier, we had a men's shoot yesterday, which was awesome. And um, some of us, by the way, no one was killed. <laughs> praise God, right? No, seriously, praise God. <laughs> there was some moments. Is this thing loaded? I don't know. Turn on the safety. Okay. Keep your children indoors. How else do you learn? We were out, but I, I mentioned that because what fuels you, what drives you, I don't know if you've ever been out there, but I've been out to Compton Airfield before. And uh, Dale, our brother here, he flies planes. Yeah, I've taken off from real airports. <laughs> no offense, Dale. <laughs> he waits till we're taxiing up, you know, blah, 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 and he's on the... <laughs> this is what he says to me. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're pretty uh, close to the weight limit of this plane. Thank you for that. Um, we're going to have to give it a lot of motor to get off the ground here, so just hold, hold on a second, you know. And we go down. You guys have done it before you go down the thing. And I'm just praying, oh, God, help us clear the trees. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't tell him that. I'm like, oh, this is fun, Dale. I'm like, oh, Jesus, get us over the tree. There's actually a power line the way we take off. We take off into the wind. A lot of power is applied to that motor on the ground. Why? Because it's got to get up. It's got to be raised up, man. And I feel like that's how we are in our sin. Like you've got to apply the full throttle of the Holy Spirit of God. You've got to go into the wind and you've got to believe and lift and be raised with him. And then all of a sudden, whew, you clear the tree line and you get this view of the earth. And it's quiet. Well, sort of until you put the windows open, right? You can open the windows in Dale's plane. You can't do that in the uh, 747. And you realize you're having an experience you would never have had on the ground. Right? The Spirit of God in our lives. Apply full power. I don't know what your life looks like, and I don't know if you're doing that in your life. 
I want to share a verse of scripture with you. I love this. I love this passage. It's from the book of Ephesians. And it says this. I love this, man. There's a, there's a human way of doing things and there's God's way of doing things. And this is what it says. Don't continually, don't be drunk on wine. Man, we're right now in the middle of a cultural conversation, right, about drunkenness and sobriety and legality, you know. Colorado's legalized marijuana now, man. It's all crazy, right? Everything should be legal. Don't be drunk on wine, Bible admonishes us. But listen, which leads to debauchery. I want to talk about that word in a second. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. I want you to see that that's an opportunity for us. Like, uh, many of us know what it's like to pop a beer or, you know, get drunk or smoke dope or shoot up. I mean, I don't know what you guys do, snort something, man, and you feel high. But I want you to see that the Word of God says, instead of doing those things, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word here is different than the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling is guaranteed with Christ. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to have His, His Spirit ruling in your life. And, and, and here's the crazy thing. It's, it's made antithetical to that. It's like the opposite experience. You know what debauchery means? Anybody know what de- debauchery is? a goofy word. Why is that in the Bible? Like, do you know why it's in the Bible? Who says debauchery anymore? Nobody. You know what it means? Not salvation. Not salvation. And I got news for you. I'm not picking on wine or drugs. It's anything that supposes to bring you freedom, but the Spirit of God is an idol and a lie. And it won't lead to salvation. And that's why we should be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the idols of our heart will be cast out and we can dwell in Him, fully controlled by His Spirit. And I'm not there. I don't know if any of you are there. I'm not there. I want more of that experience of God to be filled in me completely overflowing. And, and, and this is why I say, if all the man-made devices lead to a lack of salvation or no salvation, the Spirit of God certainly leads to salvation. That's the trade-off. You, you sick of alcohol ruling your life? Pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fill you up. Drugs ruling your life? Pray that the Holy Spirit of God would fill you up. Maybe sex is ruling your life? Pray the Holy Spirit of God would fill you up. Sin, anger, hate, frustration. Pray the Holy Spirit of God would fill you up. It will lead us to salvation. Praise God. I want to point out right after that verse, it says you do these by speaking, singing, and making music in your hearts. Speaking, singing hymns, speaking the word of God, singing hymns, and making music in your heart. You see what I'm saying? It's not about church and outside. It's about in here little music box that God has in your soul that longs to cry to him. All right, so I talked about Paul twice. We got to finish with Jesus. We always talk about what Jesus said. You go, great. That's what Paul said. What did Jesus say? Last last passage here. It's going to come from um, the Gospel of John. This will be our final verse in the series. Jesus teaching his disciples before his death. This is what he says. I'm going to him to who sent me, yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. They're sad he's leaving. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. And if I go, I will send the counselor to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of the guilt in regard to their sin. 
There you go, right? The guilt in regard to your sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me. They don't believe that Jesus is enough to forgive their sins. In regard to righteousness because I am going to the Father, the place we all want to dwell. And I lost my place here. Bear with me. Oh, yeah. And, um, and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. It's interesting. I always think in regard to judgment, our judgment, no. It's the judgment of Satan, the ruler of the air, the one who would claim that we are not children of God, that we are bound to hell and death. It's overcome by the reality of the spirit of God in our life. And he now stands condemned. I have much more, Jesus says, I want to say to you, more than you can bear, but listen to the promise. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. I want you to see the reality of this, and we're going to close with this. The Holy Spirit of God is a guide in your life, and he will tell you the truth. He's a guide, and he will tell you the truth. And if you know Jesus as Savior, you have the Spirit of God living in you, and you can walk in that truth. You can be guided by the Spirit, be filled by the Spirit, and you can listen to His truth instead of the world. That is our call as believers in Jesus. I am convinced that if we were to do this work, if we were to, you know, join God in His salvation work, I mean, that's not right way to say that, but you know what I'm saying? We would be free free from all of our sin and brokenness. We'd be with God. I don't know if you do that in your daily life or not. I'm going to ask you to pray with me today, but I want you to know when you leave, and I want you to think about Easter 2014, and I want you to realize that it's not for back then, and it's over a week ago, but it's right now, that every day in Christ is a resurrection day, a day called to life from death, and if you and I embrace the Spirit of God, now listen, we can do that. We can experience that right now with Jesus. The gospel says that all of our sins are paid for on the cross. And the Spirit of God, when we believe, is dwelling in us. Pray with me if you would. Father, for myself and all of my friends gathered here who heard the word preached this morning, I pray that your Spirit would compel us toward yourself. Father, that if there are things in there that are hard for us to understand, that you would teach them to us. Father, we are asking not for a movement of man and not for an emotional response to a message, but, Father, for a, a, a movement of God in our lives, that we would be fully redeemed, that we would know you as our Savior and Lord. I know we got friends here today who just don't know that. They don't believe Jesus is enough. They, they, they think they're stuck in their sins. I pray that your Spirit would teach them that's not true today. I pray, Father God, that as we continue to walk out our life with you, that we would choose to be filled with your spirit, that we would not battle against him, but let him rule and reign in our hearts and minds. And Father, for all the work you're doing and for all the glory is yet to be seen, we give you praise now for our salvation. Praise now for our resurrection. May we live true life, true life in Jesus' name. And we pray this would happen by his power. Amen.